Spotify. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical Libricularist Podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Librocube. My name is Jordan Maywood, no less. And I am the Lackadaisical Librocubicalist. Yeah. Doing something that uh, I seem to think is a good idea, because this is quite a handful of times I've done it so far, and that is recording the opening for an episode that I will record tomorrow, specifically a Movie Monday episode. The reason I'm doing that is many-fold, one of which is that it's so dark I can't um, see my notes. Uh, added to that list today, it's friggin' foggy as fuck, and I can barely see the road, so... Reading notes that are hard to see in the dark while driving in the fog, probably not too safe. However, all I really need to know is that it's a movie Monday, and this is the opening, and I say things like, um, how about there will be spoilers? Yeah, this is your one, and quite possibly only spoiler warning, so please take heed of it. Another thing I like to say without the aid of notes even, is that if you like what you hear, here, maybe I do need those notes, the only payment I ask is a million a dollars. <laughs> oh boy, no, no, no. That is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes because that is what helps others find podcasts. That's what helps them grow and flourish and become things. That will, of course, take us into our last piece of podcast-related midness, which is today's sponsor, which is... Dr. Poopy Doops, Psycholoproctologists. Once again, today's sponsor is Dr. Poopy Dupes, psychoproctologist. Thank you very, very much to him. It is appreciated for your sponsorship today on this Movie Monday episode. Yay. You. Okay, so that's pretty much it. Uh, I'm going to turn this recording device off. And then, what you're going to hear is a transition sound. The sound of a transition so as not to abruptly stop talking and then start talking. Because that is not fun. It is not funny. It is neither fun nor funny. So I refuse to do it. Refusal outright. Uh, yes. Pushing the button now. Transition. Movie the first. Bad Milo. Wow, no preamble. I managed to do it. <laughs> I guess that was a preamble, and the sneeze didn't help. But uh, still, we're going to count that as a win. Bad Milo is a film <coughs> that you may not have heard of. If you are addicted to podcasts like I am, you probably have. Just for the reason that uh, quite a number of the people in this movie 
uh, do, as I like to say, the podcast rounds. So, normally they go on other people's podcasts, but when they're promoting a movie like this, uh, the degree in which you will see and hear them is amped up. And I like it. And I like this movie. Huh. Coincidence? Well, yes, it is. But still, this movie fits into a category that is not explored very often, but I wish it was, and that is the horror So picture a rom-com, which is a romance and comedy, take out the rom, because who needs that boring shit, and throw in a little horror. Short for horror, not whores. Although horror W-H-O-R, comedy, I'd also watch, just on that sort of Ooh, that might be uh, in the title here, Horror-Com. Uh, we'll see, we'll see. The horror comes in the form of a demon that lives in the bowels, in the gut, of Ken Marina. Marino, sorry. Ken Marino, who uh, has probably come up on the podcast in one form or the other, uh, probably at the very least on a TV Tuesday in which I brought back some episodes of the show Party Down. Party Down, which if I do recall, quite easily gave a 5 out of 5 to that television program, and I highly recommend you check that out. Ken Marino, very, very good at that. Uh, Also, Children's Hospital, actually, I brought that back as well, and very, very much loved that. So, fan of Ken Marino is what I'm trying to say. This uh, demon living in his bowels that comes out of his ass is, uh, I guess the way you could look at it is he's sort of the manifestation of the repressed anger and frustration that Ken Marino has within his life that he's sort of forced to tamp, tap down and tap down and just bottle up. And, uh, you know, this is what happens when you do that. So don't, or else you'll get a butt demon, I think is the underlying lesson of this movie. Uh-huh. It has a little bit of that, uh, and this came up, I think, last movie Monday as well, a little bit of that guy just having a horrible, horrible, horrible day. Or perhaps more accurately in this case, a horrible series of events in his life that uh, eventually lead to an explosion. Normally, in a movie, it is an explosion in which the band character goes insane. In this case, it is where his um, butt demon is released and goes insane and starts, um, well, killing people. In a horrible, brutal fashion. That's where the horror comes in. As in horror. It's never really scary. Although I suppose the butt demon, when it's uh, smiling with its sharp, razor-like teeth, does have a, uh, a bit of a scary vibe going to it. And I know if I actually saw this thing in real life, I would be horrified. Something about little things that are, for me, more scary than, say, like a giant Bigfoot-sized monster. And I don't think I'm alone in that fact, but uh, maybe I am. Maybe I'm a freak. Well, I am a freak, but maybe one of my freakishnesses is that. His wife, played by Jillian Jacobs, who you may know from Community as well as Podcast, is actually not so much adding to the stress. Huh. You know what I just drove by? Someone filming a movie. And I mean like full fight, full flight with a crane shot and everything. That's pretty interesting, never seen that before. Hey, wait a second, this is a movie Monday, and I just saw people shooting what I assume is a movie, maybe a television show. Let's assume it's a movie with like a giant crane shot with a camera on the end of the boom. Pretty cool. I like it. Coincidence? Yes.
Oh, yeah. Uh, anyways, his wife is not really what's adding to the stress of this relationship. She's very, very nice, so I was kind of hoping she would be a horrible person as well. But no, she was nice, which I guess it sets it up for towards the end where uh, Ken has to protect his wife from this butt demon for the reason that the butt demon uh, wants Ken to himself, and uh, his wife is Preggers. So he realizes that if uh, this baby comes, the attention is going to be drawn away from the butt demon. So he's kind of that first child syndrome. His boss, very, very good casting for the role of uh, Ken Marino's boss in the form of Patrick Warburton, a.k.a. Putty from Seinfeld. He's, he's good in this. Friggin' asshole. Uh, he plays a good asshole. What can I say? I think the only uh, one person I think who may play a better asshole is, oh shit, I can't remember his name. I think his last name's McDonald, though. Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore, that guy. You know who I mean, if you know who I mean. Uh, his father, his hippy-dippy father, played by Stephen Root, who's always good as well, loved him in news radio. And to further that sort of uh, podcast connection, we have uh, Kamel Nanjiani with a smallish role in this as well. Plays, <laughs> actually plays uh, Ken Marino's uh, stepdad, which is amusing, as he's probably younger or very, very close to the same age as Ken Marino. As I always like to mention, so I'm going to do it now, with regards to Kamel Nanjiani. Kamel Nanjiani and I both have podcasts. Yeah. Both discuss video games on our podcast, both married to women named Emily, both born in Pakistan. One of those things is not true. Uh, yeah, so basically, that's your story, is demon that is exacting revenge for Ken Marino, comes in and out of his butt, sort of at will, and, uh, you know, it's very, very strange, uh, many laughs to be had. No scares, really, but uh, you can't expect, I don't think, actual factual scares in a horcom. I'm pretty sure that is an unrealistic expectation. And perhaps that's why there's not many of these in existence. I guess there's the scary movies. Those, yeah, again, same thing. Never real actual factual scares. Huh. Okay, so let's leave that behind with my rating, which I will say... Uh... This is kind of a tough one. I think I have to go three out of five with some four to five moments. Three to five just because I've seen it now, and I don't think this is a movie that I would uh, watch again, which is what I like to use my threes for. Enjoyed while watching, but did not, will not most likely watch again. Uh, the four moments come in the form of things that I would watch again, but not. Maybe just clips. Yeah, yeah, how about that? That is, I always give convoluted ratings. That's probably one of my most convoluted ones. So, you know, you're welcome, Bad Milo. Bad Milo, of course, being the name of the butt demon. FYI, or fly, if you prefer. Next movie is called Gut. So, we go from a demon living in a gut to a movie called Gut. Did I plan that? I did have the movie Gut first, and then the movie Bad Milo, so there wasn't really any plan to watch these together. But, uh, you know what, strike that. Let's say, yes, I did plan this. Ha so smart. This movie doesn't really have any uh, sort of named actors that you would recognize. I think it's kind of a low-budget indie flick, 
not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, in this one you do kind of get that sense immediately of the low budget, which can potentially be detrimental to the experience as a whole, I think, sometimes. It doesn't, uh, doesn't help, perhaps. Uh, the movie starts out where it's two dudes working in an office, cubicle stylish. Uh, one's name is Tom, he's kind of the family man. One's name is Dan. He has been friends with Tom for a very long time, but since Tom has got his family stuff on the go, they've kind of separated a little bit and have not spending as much time together. And that makes sense. When people, I have found, have babies, you do not see them as often uh, as you would if they did not have babies is what I have found in my experiences. And that's a shame, but uh, I've come to the realization over the years that it's just a matter of life. So what you do to get over that is start a podcast to take up your time that you would normally be spending with friends. Oh, yeah. Tom has decided that he hates this job, and he and his wife and child, or is it children, doesn't matter, are going to move away. He didn't want to tell Dan. Dan sort of found out almost by accident, and he was not a happy camper. So at first, very, very pissed off, then sort of, like myself, resigned to his fate, says, okay, well, let's have one more horror movie watching night like we used to when we were younger. Uh, rather than get sort of your average everyday horror film, he, somehow, some way, gets a snuff film. Yeah, uh, a snuff film. A snuff film, if you are unfamiliar with the term, is a movie in which someone dies. And I don't mean like in Bad Milo, where quite a few people died. I mean where someone is actually factually killed in real life and they film it. That's what a snuff film is. And they do apparently exist. And this uh, Dan got it on the internet through some sort of dark back black market section that kind of uh, underhanded vibe, and decides that for their last movie, uh, they're going to watch this. Yeah, because that's something you do with a friend, is watch a snuff film. <laughs> uh, a little bit of a leap in logic there. I, I guess this guy's a little on the strange side, so maybe it's possible. I don't know. Seems strange. Eh, strange. Anyways, Tom, the family man, after watching this, just cannot get it out of his head. It's like it's burned into his mind. And he's like seeing the images from this film everywhere, including with his wife and even at one point with his young daughter. So he's kind of freaked out, combined with uh, a little turned on, which was pretty creepy. Because uh, this snuff film did have a sort of uh, sexual vibe to it, I guess you would say. Again, just amping up the creep factor left, right, and center. Uh, so we reach a point in the film where somehow, some way, this movie has given Dan, the sort of loser uh, best friend with no kind of uh, life, no girlfriend, living alone, that, that sort of guy, gives him a little bit of a boost in self-confidence. And he asks out this waitress in a diner that he and Tom frequent on a regular basis. She says, yes. What? It's that confidence exuding from him from watching a snuff film um, <laughs> that got him the state. Yeah, okay. Anyways, uh, 
the girl, after the date, disappears mysteriously. Hmm, interesting. Then, he goes to his post office box, and uh, there's a DVD inside. A DVD which, when watched, appears to be the woman he went on the date with from the restaurant in a snuff film. What? In fact, in a snuff film filmed exactly the same as the first one. Then it sort of comes about that uh, Dan didn't actually purchase this DVD. It just sort of showed up in his post office box. So that leads to uh, Dan sort of freaking out. What were you thinking? How do you know where this came from? This guy's obviously watching us. And uh, he's not too happy. <laughs> this is sort of like the section in a comedy movie where it's the friends falling out. And then, you would assume, if it was a comedy movie, by the end, they're going to be uh, back together again, and all happy and made up and good times ahead. However, this already very, very dark movie, and this is a pretty big spoiler, takes an even darker turn in which Dan, sorry, Tom, the family man, gets home one day after these events are sort of rolling downhill, and his wife and daughter are gone, waiting for him as a DVD that he, oh, geez, this is pretty brutal actually, that he, uh, that he puts on and it turns out his wife and daughter are now in this same snuff film scenario. What the fuck? I, I knew this was a dark movie off the bat, obviously it's got a snuff film in it. I did not think it was going to take a turn like that, so I was pretty shocked. And I am not shocked easily, but that, that shocked me. This sets it up for the sort of very, very last scene, and that scene is Tom going to visit Dan. Uh, at first, Dan's like, hey, how you go doing? Good to see you. Tom just comes in and beats the shit out of him and kills him. End of movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what to give this movie. It's kind of a tough call. On the one hand, the, the story... Okay, well, how about I break it down? The story, because it is not something I have ever seen before... That, for me, gets high marks. That's, we'll go four, four to five, just for a very, very original story that I've never seen anything like. That shocked me, and again, shocked not necessarily in a good way. <laughs> like, holy shit, I can't believe that happened. That's pretty brutal. I don't like that way, but still, I think that's part of the movie-going experience, is that sometimes you're going to experience things that are unexpected and... A sort of shock to the system. So uh, I'd go four, maybe even five for this story. For the acting and the writing and the cinematography, I'd go lower, like three, maybe even lower, maybe even into the two range. So overall, we'll just go three. Whew, I thought my first rating was convoluted. That one, pretty, uh, pretty convoluted as well. Yep. Okay, so after that, I needed a goddamn palate cleanser and watched me a little cartoon, which, because I am almost at work, I will not have time to get into right now. However, I will be back this afternoon, and uh, we'll talk about, let me tease it, Justice League, colon, Flashpoint Paradox. Now, if the movie had been called Justice League, colon, that would have been kind of uh, fitting in with our sort of gut and butt demon theme. Huh, interesting. Interesting, interesting. Anyways, but that is besides the point. What is the point is that I'm at work, so I'm going to stop talking right now.
but be back in eight hours. For you, it will seem like much less, as I will edit it out. That will leave one final thing to say, which is, of course, Oh, my God. Look at her butt. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. Back. We are back. Back in action. Hello again. Eight hours of work completed, no less. Yay, even. Hmm. Doing a little of the old rearrange at work, and it's kind of interesting. I, I, I don't mind it. The planning stages I, I like. It's uh, it's an interesting area to get your brain into, and uh, it's fun. Now, the actual moving is shit. That is less fun. In fact, probably go so far as to say not fun at all, but the planning. It's interesting, and I don't mind it. I've had, over the course of my 32-some-odd years, had probably... I'm going to just go a dozen for story's sake. Say that uh, I've had a dozen huh? people say that uh, I should open my own organizational company. And uh, you know what? I don't like toot my own horn. But toot toot, I think I've got a little bit of the old flair for the old organization. Oh. Anyways, thus concludes Jordan's work talk. We don't normally venture into that subject, but I felt like it, and it's my goddamn podcast, so I do what I want to do. For example, talk about my third movie, a little something called Justice League, colon, The Flashpoint Paradox. I uh, sort of realized just as I was pulling out of work that I forgot to write any notes whatsoever about this. So, we're going note-free and all by memory. And that rhymes, I think, which is just what I meant to do, I swear to God. Yeah, I uh, love me some Justice League. I have the television show on um, DVD and pretty much whenever anything movie-related in this vein comes out, I'll always watch it. And uh, just, just a big fan of this idea, the gathering together of many superheroes. Because it's just better. Better than just one. Why not have a whole bunch of them in your thing, right? It's like math, even. In this case, the titular Flash uh, is the Flash. Yeah, what? And uh, the Flash as a superhero is okay. I only really ever know him from... Justice League, nothing where it's sort of him fighting his own bad guys in his own cities. I don't really know that part of the Marvel Universe. Sorry, Marvel. Ooh, bad. The DC Universe very, very well. I like him. One thing I think he... And this is kind of just from tidbits I've picked up over the years. One thing I think he struggles with is that a lot of the bad guys he faces are stupid. And uh, part of what makes your superhero super is the bad guys he faces. And if they are ridiculous, then you, by association, are going to have some ridiculousness. And I think that's uh, a problem that he very, very much has. For example, at the beginning of this movie, we meet some of his sort of usual bad guys, because they all team up to go against him. I like that idea as well, bad guys teaming up to take on the Flash. And some of them were kind of stupid. Yeah, there's, there's, there's really no other way to say it. 
compared to like the Joker, who's so multi-layered, these are just like I wish I could remember one, and if I had have written down any notes, potentially one of the, these bad guys' names would have been in my notes. <laughs> but uh, that is not the case. So, moving on to, uh, there's another super, super fast dude within this universe, which to me seems kind of like a strange idea. I suppose not. Uh, Superman has Bizarro Superman, so why doesn't Flash have, he's sort of in essence, Bizarro Flash, just a, a mean version of Flash, and this mean version, who's actually, you know what, I should mention, uh, I don't know if this is his usual character, I liked him as a bad guy, like, he was nuts, like, literally insane, insane to, like, Joker levels, actually, so, uh, he was pretty good, like, it reached one point right in this opening sequence where uh, a bomb was going to go off and destroy everyone, however, the Flash let's just say, made it so that, try not to give too, too much away, he made it so that if this bomb went off, it would also destroy the super, super fast guy. The super, super fast guy said, like, you know what, I don't care. If you die, it's all worth it. And that is something only a super, super crazy person is going to say. So, I like that. It's this guy who, I guess, is the main bad guy for this movie, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of, and let me explain. This all happens, this opening sequence, and uh, some of the Justice League comes in and sort of saves Flash a little bit. Okay, a lot. And then uh, the day of save, movie over the end. No, no, no. What happens is Flash wakes up the next day, and um, the whole world has changed. What we're dealing with here, people, is a little something I like to call, well, not that I am the only one who likes to call it this. It's not like a, a phrase that I coined, no. It's a, oh god, just friggin' say it. An alternate reality. I love, within my superhero stories, universes, milieu in general, anything to do with an alternate universe. It just really, really tickles my fancy. It's taking tried and true methods of telling these stories and totally turning them on their heads, and I friggin' love it. There was, some of this existed, I do believe, in the Justice League television show, if I do recall. I think. Yeah. Anyways, it's uh, it's been done before, this sort of idea, but uh, these guys did it so, so well in this movie, it just blew me away. This is definitely one of the best superhero movies I have seen in quite a long time. I think I'm going to go the best superhero movie I've seen since uh, Batman versus Superman. I, I think I may have liked that one a little bit better, just because it's Batman, perhaps. This one did, I should say, have a shit ton of Batman in it, so perhaps that's why I liked it so much. Uh, this is really, really cool, what they did with Batman in this alternate universe, and I'm going to start giving things away pretty seriously now. The Batman is not Bruce Wayne. No, no, no. The Batman is rather Bruce Wayne's father. What? So that fateful night when Bruce Wayne, mother and father, were out to the theater where mother and father were gunned down did not happen that way. No, no, no. It, the way it happened was uh, Bruce was killed, but the father lived. Lived and vowed vengeance. Mm. And instead of being a billionaire, well, he was still a billionaire, just in sort of a different field. He was, uh, he ran casinos. And, um, 
His tech his technology was not nearly as impressive. He used guns, for example, which is one of Batman's number one no-nos, no guns. So it's just kind of cool to see how that came about, how that little twist of fate can make such a rapid change. Oh, that twist of fate came about because... How was this? Flash is so fast that he traveled in time. Okay, yeah, I can believe that. Has to do with going faster than light, time. Yeah, okay, there's even some signs there, I'm sure. Anyways... In the actual, real DC Universe, Flash's mother was killed. However, in this alternate universe he created, he saved his mother. Because he saved his mother, this set, this whole new series of events that created this whole new universe, kind of like almost a way to look at it. And this is not the first time this has come up. Flash, not existing, tore apart the Justice League. And that's actually, that's the ground that's been tread before as well. I think in a different fashion, but uh, still, it's a very, very cool idea that Flash is sort of the glue that brought them together. Very interesting. Anyways, within this universe as well, because the Justice League does not exist, Wonder Woman and Aquaman are having a war! A world war! What? Yeah, it's friggin' Wonder Woman and the Amazons versus Aquaman and, well things underwater, and they're having a war, uh, a world war that has pulled all of the world into it. Yeah, freaking crazy, man. I love that. I love that idea of getting good guys and having them fight one another. I don't care how you do it, but uh, this is a good way to go about doing that. Brilliant. Uh, one of the things that pops up so, so very many times in this movie is that other superheroes that exist within the DC universe have picked sides on this war. And you kind of don't know who's going to be on whose side. Like, for example, Lex Luthor was on the side of Aquaman. Sure, why not? I don't know why he is, but he was. It's just sort of randomly chosen good and bad people from DC on either Wonder Woman's team or Aquaman's team, which set it up for so, so very many crazy fights that you would never see unless it was in a parallel universe. And that makes me love this movie a whole hell of a lot. Uh, Superman, for example, does exist. However, and this was kind of briefly explained, so hopefully I'm remembering it correctly, when Flash was running to go back in time to save his mother, okay, during that run, he knocked Superman's spaceship slightly off course so it landed in Metropolis instead of Smallville. So Superman was not raised by the Kents and didn't turn out to be the man he was in the actual real, I was going to say the actual real existing universe, but sure, yeah, the actual real existing DC universe. However, he was captured by, I guess, like the government and uh, has been imprisoned this entire time. And he's like this weak, scrawny little, uh, almost infant-like in his inability to talk and interact with people. He's been in a cage his whole life, that, that kind of idea. Once he gets out of this cage and is for the first time exposed to the sun, which as we all know is where Superman gets his powers, he's, uh, he's once again badass. Pro probably not as badass as he is in real life. But, uh, you know, he's Superman, so pretty pretty bad. 
pretty bad. Uh, since I didn't plan to spend my entire drive talking about this, I should try to wrap it up. Uh, how did the war go? Not well. Not well for anyone. <laughs> it sort of ended with, uh, yeah, how do I say this? The entire world being destroyed. Okay, yeah, that'll happen. Now, it is an alternate universe, so Flash is able, after he stops this other super speedy guy, who, and this part didn't really make sense to me, I guess it's part of the Flash canon, that if two people on Earth are super, super fast, they can each only reach a certain degree of fastness before they start leeching the fastness from the other one. However, if one of them is dead, then the one remaining can use all the fastness that exists on Earth. That seems pretty ridiculous, to be honest with you. But uh, if it's canon, sure. Uh, why not? I believe it. Okay. Anyways, so once that guy was dead, and once Aquaman... Oh shit, I'm passing that movie thing again. It's still there. What, are they filming all day? Crazy. That's uh, from this morning. I, I just passed the same spot that I mentioned it this morning. Huh, interesting. Do you film from early in the morning to when it's dark? With the same boom camera on the same spot? That seems strange, does it not? There's all guys, like, standing up and, like, lights. Lights as if you were filming things. Hmm, very, very curious. Anyways, hopefully it's a movie, because this is Movie Monday. What was I saying? Okay, yeah, so, the war, as quite often in superhero things, or in giant over-the-top things, came down to a little mono a mono between um, Aquaman and Wonder Woman. Now, in an actual, real, existing war, that's not going to happen. Barack Obama's not going to Iran to fight people, to fight the president of Iran if such a person does exist, and if they're fighting Iran. Don't keep too much track of global events. I don't know if that's ever came up. Uh, I live in a world of escaping reality, so my knowledge of current events is both slim and, in some cases, none. Anyways, I digress back into uh, Aquaman, as you can imagine, gets his ass handed to him a little bit. He does better than you think he would, considering he's Aquaman. Yeah. But, uh, no, he's eventually, he's toast, and he pushes a button, a button which releases on board one of his ships a explosion, an explosion that Captain, is it Captain Adam? The guy who's sort of underneath his suit is all nuclear and shit? I think his name's Captain Adam. He explodes, and that explosion is what destroys the Earth and all life on planet Earth. So that's not good. Right before that happens, uh, we see Flash running, as he does often, from the explosion to go through time and set things right, which, as you can imagine, he does do. Yay! All of humanity wasn't killed. The end. Presumably, he learned his lesson and isn't going to time travel anymore. I guess, right? Alright, uh, rating, 5 out of 5, no ifs, ands, or buts whatsoever. Great, great uh, Justice League, great DC, great superhero, great movie, period. Go see it, please. Thus concludes this Movie Monday episode. Oh, you know what you could do? Since I got a couple of minutes, I'll just say, 
you can contact me via Twitter. I am Jordan underscore Maywood. Perhaps email me to the address provided in the closing credits. Let me uh, know what you think as far as the difference, if indeed there was a difference, between the two movies I talked about this morning, in which I had a few notes jotted down, or the uh, movie I just talked about, where I had no notes and it was all going off the cuff. Was there a difference? Let me know. What I will let you know right now is that it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, maywood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. No, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Come the day you're mine Live long and prosper